as I've journeyed, an exploration of life's intersections, contours, and developments. I'm your host today, Rod Goodman. Today, you'll get to listen in on my conversation with my good friend and ally, Leda Becker. You'll join us on her journey from Venezuela to Bowling Green. Leda serves as the International Communities Liaison with the city of Bowling Green. She's been able to take the challenges that she has faced in her journey and turn that into an opportunity to help others. Listen in and be inspired to take your challenges and turn them into an opportunity to empower others. I was trying to think of when we first met, like the time period of it. And so I know it was pre-2008, but I don't know how much earlier than that it was. Do you have any recollection of that? I have no idea with dates. I'm terrible. I, I am too. I, you know, I have three periods of time in my life, pre-United States, then, you know, United States, young, and then now I'm old. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't fit within that period of time, then I don't remember the dates. I don't, I don't have no idea. Well, then that means I met you during... United States youngish. Yes, so, I was already yeah. married, so it uh, or dating my husband, yeah. and so that and we got married in two thousand and two. So it was it was early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, so what do you remember about when we first met? Well, the funny story was that you were. A a pastor. I guess that, that was the funniest part of it. Uh, I don't know how humorous that, that was, but I I do recall that um, you were pastoring the, the Free Will Baptist Church on Three Springs Road here in Bowling Green. Trinity, correct? Yep, correct. Trinity. And Terry was a, the youth pastor there. And somehow, uh, you guys thought it would be a good idea for me to be your choir director or praise and worship leader at the time. Uh, I do have a little bit of a musical talent. Uh, somehow Terry maybe thought that musical talent was a lot bigger. And so we had some conversations. I remember going to your home page and having dinner uh, at your table, or was it yours or Terry and Dacia's house? I can't remember. Uh, they lived out in the probably, county. Well, we did too. So I don't remember. It's probably Terry and Dacia's house. Yeah. They lived in Plano. Yeah, and I had some really good pork chop. I really do remember yeah. what I ate. It was, yeah. it was, it was a great meal. We had a conversation yeah. about leading praise and worship, and I, I. I think I backed out uh, out of that opportunity. It would have it would have probably made me famous, but so I kind of <laughs> regret that. <laughs> That's probably one of the best decisions you ever made. <laughs> so, so that was one of the first interactions. Maybe there 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 may have been others prior to that, but that that kind of stands out in my mind. Um, yeah. I was looking forward, you know, to maybe being sort of in that, in that camaraderie of having, you know, being in ministry together. 
but I didn't think that I really had the qualifications to. <laughs> well, you, I, I assure you, if Terry and I did, so did you. <laughs> but you, you still made a good decision. Um, well, uh, so with with me, my recollections of people is they were not in my life and they were in my life and I don't remember when they weren't. And so uh, it's really, and so it feels like, like a lot has changed since that time period for both of us uh, in our lives. And uh, I've always been kind of amazed by your story. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, this is national women's history month. And so one of the things we're trying to do is to connect uh, with some women who have played an important role uh, in our lives. And so I thought of you because from the outside, your story from where you were to where you are today feels like kind of this natural trajectory, like, oh, that all makes perfect sense. But I know in my life, uh, where sometimes it may look that way in my life, that's not the way it played out in reality. Uh, So sometimes it's to get to that, what looks like a natural trajectory was quite a journey. And so tell uh, me a little about, and tell our listeners a little about your story uh, so that they understand a little bit more about who you are. Yeah, I mean, I I did really realize that uh, at some point in my career, I I, you know, it it was, it was the point where I stood in front of a large portrait painting of myself um, at the Baker Museum and Arboradium, uh, where um, Leslie Nichols, a local artist, had um, gotten a grant from the Kentucky Foundation of Four Women. And she was, um, she made these beautiful, um, very unique portrait of influential women uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, or South Central Kentucky, who had an impact in advocating for women and children's rights, that it it was a newfound moment for me to kind of realize that somehow I had, at that point, made somewhat of a significant impact. I, I, I was dumbfounded uh, first being asked to be portrayed, but then to backtracking with that, it, it was never intentional. You know, that was not the goal. I never started out thinking this is what's going to happen. And, and all of a sudden there's going to be a portrait of me, uh, which is a really large portrait. Um, <laughs> but that's beside I, the point. <laughs> I went back. I went back and uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I went back and pulled that portrait. I have a picture of you standing by that portrait uh, yes. that I found on your Facebook page. And uh, I love that portrait. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was never intentional. I think a lot of it um, has come along because of, you know, how, how the, the journeys that I've, that I've had to live. And, and a lot of that journey has to play with the story of immigration. Um, I never really thought that I was going to immigrate. I'm originally from Venezuela, from South America. And at a very young age, you know, I had an ideal childhood. I, I loved living in Venezuela. 
my parents got divorced and uh and my mom being a foreigner in Venezuela decided you know um, I don't really have a place here um I want to be closer to my own relatives and so we made the journey to south central Kentucky and became quote unquote an immigrant and so the journey of immigration and the first nine years of my immigration story and being becoming integrated and learning a new language uh, taught me a lot about the challenges of you know being new in a new community and for the first time feeling different, like I didn't belong. I, I don't really feel yet like I belong. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I don't know if I ever will, but, but yeah, that's, that kind of catapulted everything into what, what I've I've been doing since then. Yeah. Well, so when I think, when you, when you say that one, I, I can't believe you feel like you don't belong. I can't imagine our community without you, but I get that. (laughs) Uh, But one of the things you've done for me is, uh, in knowing you and knowing your story and watching the trajectory of your life is, uh, you know, we work with a lot of immigrant and refugee families and, uh, and you make me think about, uh, sometimes because you say, Hey, you need to think about this. And sometimes just because I remember your story. Uh, but you make me think about all of the things that uh, you were just talking about, like what those families are feeling and uh, and the, the unique challenges uh, they are facing. And in my life, you have, besides my work w- directly with the families, you have played the largest role in that revelation to me in our community. Uh, and wow. You know, when I, yeah, and when I see these families and when I see you, I see what these what, what the potential is uh, with these families, and so uh, it makes me proud of the work I'm doing. But it especially makes me proud of the work you're doing. So for our listeners, Leda is the international communities liaison. Is that the correct? Term? That's right. Yeah, and then uh, you also have uh, your own consulting business. And what is the name of your business? Are you still doing that? Yes, it's Maraven Training and Consulting. And Mara comes from the first two syllables of the city where I was born, Merida. And then uh, the last syllable is because I'm originally from Venezuela. So I wanted to kind of do something that always reminded me of where I came from, my roots. So one of the cool things about you is that you took all of these challenges uh, and rather than uh, becoming bitter or just building something up for yourself, you took all of these challenges and you have put an immense amount of energy back into other families and individuals who are going through the same transition that you did. Uh, how how does your experience help you in translating that to these families? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we, my family and I were one of the first, you know, immigrant families to really settle into the South Central Kentucky area. I know that there were some Cambodian refugees and maybe some Latino immigrants at the time, but not not as many as there are today. I mean, in, by 2016, uh, in a five-year period, this the county, the immigrant population in the county grew by 86.6%. So from 2011 oh. to 2016, that's just a very wow. short time frame. Um, 87%. So that tells you that prior to 2011, there weren't the number of immigrants and refugees there are today. So a lot of the, you know, navigating uh, how to fit into a new culture, a new community, learn a new language had to be done very independently. So we we had to learn the hard way how things, um, how to get along. And of yeah. course, my mom was a very talented woman. She spoke three languages. She had a master's cool. degree and she was, she had just, you know, an, an amazing personality. She loved people. And so uh, she, you know, took the lead. She was really my role model. I mean, she would go out and advocate for us. She was a single mom with three children. And so uh, she was the one who who was always, you know, batting for us and, and our well-being. And so a lot of that um, I carry on, you know, from her example and her leadership um, that taught me to be a strong woman and to have to speak up when no one else is speaking up for yourself or others, but it, but it wasn't easy at first, you know, uh, a lot of people think advocating just comes naturally and it's very overwhelming to have this feeling that others are being left behind Mm -hmm. and you see that happening, but you, but nobody's doing anything in to rectify the situation. And by nobody, I mean, people who really have control and power to make a difference. And so when you find yourself in this predicament of, I see this is happening, others are not aware of it, but I can see the impact. And all of a sudden you have a really big sense of obligation to others um, as well. And I think it's just a sense of humanity. Um, I've always felt like, you know, everyone has the right to, have basic human rights, and uh, and everyone should be afforded the opportunity to have those basic human rights. Now, it's your decision if you if you don't want to take advantage of those opportunities. But being um, not provided, you know, not having those opportunities rarely provided should not be something you have to think about. Right, the playing field should be level. Everybody should have a chance to get in the game. Uh, right. and, and yeah, I certainly understand that. And and I work in a small part of that, but yet understand, uh, even in affordable housing, just having the opportunity to have a safe place to call home, the playing field isn't level for everyone. And it does feel overwhelming at times. And you've done, wow, you have, you're, especially in your position as, International Communities Liaison, uh, which was a brand new position. So like you had to come into that, you're coming into, you're coming into government, were there, I mean, I won't ask you any specifics, but were there, what were the challenges to that? 
Right. I mean, there is uh, a lot of resistance with change in any type of organization. And I didn't really kind of realize that that was going to be the case. I, I think that I was a very naive at that point. I'd Prior to that, I'd been in social services in the nonprofit field. And so in the nonprofit field, you're very mission oriented. And everyone who is working in that organization is very mission oriented. And so you don't have to sell people on the idea of what you're doing. Um, when I came into the position with city government with a role that had never been, uh, had never existed really uh, in that capacity, then I had to do a lot of selling, selling it, even though they, the, they created it, they funded it, um, city officials put it in the budget, it, it doesn't mean that people will readily accept it. And so especially when you're trying to get employees to consider that there are other patrons that they have to work with besides the dominant, you know, general population that they're accustomed to, then they're like, what are you talking about? There's other people out there that live in our community that we ought to be able to provide services to. Um, so there, that's where the resistance began. And it began in, in many different ways. I mean, there were a lot of those, um, what I would call microaggressions, you know, that you don't really, you can't really pinpoint it. It doesn't make you feel right, but there's really nothing blatantly wrong with what, what somebody says or does. And so I had to navigate a lot of that very carefully in addition to the politics. I mean, I, I didn't realize at the time how polarizing the topic of immigration would be at the time when I got here in 2012 and then would continue to be and talk about the last four years have been mm -hmm. extremely polarizing in terms of talking about immigrants and refugees. And so, uh, so you have the tendency to potentially, you know, have either an ally or have somebody who is completely against what you do and can't always take it personally, but um, it's yeah. hard not to. It I've is had hard a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of people say, well, yeah, you know, I, I don't want those people to live in this community. And oftentimes either, you know, they're talking to me on the phone. I recently had a, a man who was um, who called uh, the mayor's office and he's like, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm against the increase in the refugees in our community. I don't want those people to come to our community. So, so I got the phone call and I talked to the man and, uh, and he's talking to me over the phone and I'm Miss Becker because that's my married yeah. name. And so he has no idea who I am. Um, sometimes my, foreign accent comes out more than other times, but yeah. otherwise you're, he may not have, he may not have realized when he talks about others that yeah. that includes me. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, yeah. And we definitely uh, see that, but you have done this incredible job of, and I, I don't know that you see, or maybe you do. I hope you do get to see, cause I know sometimes when you're in the work, it's hard to see the impact of your work. Uh, and right. so I hope you get to feel the impact of your work some, but you have had an incredible impact. And, and even with your new 
venture that's coming up, helping businesses understand uh, how they can uh, make, utilize immigrants and refugees and, and have policies and procedures that reduce those barriers. Uh, I was talking to, uh, the one thing our community doesn't realize is we would be, uh, I was talking to one manufacturing business that it was something like 40 to 60% of their new hires are immigrants and refugees. And uh, like, it's not that our community and our economic well-being, uh, all of us, including immigrants and refugees, put together the mesh that makes that possible. And we can't do it without each other. And so you've done a great job of helping. I know the challenge has been immense, and, and we even feel that pressure at work sometimes when uh, people, we, we've had people say things like, you know, why don't you build house for Americans? And we say, well, we are. they are Americans and so uh, you know you feel that pressure but uh, you've done a good job of helping to uh, really integrate uh, in people's minds into the fabric of our community and I know we still have a long way to go but uh, we are a fabric that can't exist without our immigrant and refugee population and you've done a fantastic job of that now, something else I've noticed from a distance okay. is, yeah, because, <laughs> uh, because, well, because you know how life goes. Like we, we, uh, you know, there was a point in time where we had more contact and then now we kind of have, it ends up being more business contact. We're still friends and our business is friendly, but like we have it, but you have spent, it feels like, uh, time empowering other women uh, and especially uh, immigrant and refugee women, uh, uh, I, I'm always seeing your group of friends and, and you guys are talking about how you support one another. Uh, how? Tell me about some of the challenges in addition to being an immigrant and a refugee or immigrant. Tell me about some of the challenges you've had uh, to do and how they might have increased in because of you're a woman and uh, and how you face some of those and how you've empowered other women or do you see yourself as having empowered other women and what other women have empowered you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, from, from a distance, no, I don't think that I'm really fully aware of uh, everything that's, that's happening. I just, uh, I started to realize, you know, that as I started to have more opportunities to have a seat at the table, you know, where conversations were being had about decisions that are being made across our community, um, that I was kind of the only person that looked like me having those conversations and being at the table, making, not necessarily making the decisions, but having the input. And, and then you start to think, you know, other people like me need to be able to be empowered to have those same conversations and to have the opportunities to have those seats at the table because I don't, I can't be everywhere. You know, then it becomes, oh, you know, you are the, the, the connection to the international community. And so 
and and that's not and that could be certainly true for you know certain aspects but i don't think that that's true for everything and what i've seen uh very organically happen also in many of the ethnic and immigrant communities that is oftentimes women who end up uh fitting into these leadership roles not because they wanted to, but because they just naturally ended up in, in those positions. I'll give you a great example of one of uh, amazing young women that I, I love to mentor and support. Um, her name's April Mime, and she is become the, you know, quote unquote, leader of uh, the ethnic Kareni community, which is an ethnic group from Burma. Mm-hmm. Um, Mime, and one of the, you know, the way that she explains that she's a young mother and uh, she's still in her twenties, a young mother of three children, um, in her teens started to, uh, come into leadership roles. When we created the city's, uh, international communities advisory council, and we were looking at natural leaders, uh, in those ethnic communities, uh, she came to the table Someone had either recommended her. I'm not really sure exactly how her name came up. Um, I have been in this job for nearly 10 years, and she has been in every conversation. And she is just that magnet. Um, Everyone comes to her naturally for access to information, for advocacy, for interpretation, for language access. Whether she wanted to or not, it just organically happened. And now she has, she has that, I mean, she has that role, but it doesn't mean that she has been equipped, you know, to be a leader. You have natural leadership capacities or skill sets, but it doesn't mean that you always know how to kind of cater those. And so, I mean, I've spent a significant amount of time talking to her, advising her, talking through challenges, through issues. Uh, She's one of those people that at one point um, organized an entire national Kareni uh, welcoming day where she invited over, I think it was 2,000 different Kareni from across the United States to come to Bowling Green. And it was all essentially on her. And I don't think she realized the impact that she had uh, at the time. And I don't think she still does because I think she's overwhelmed oftentimes with that sense of responsibility um, that it comes from from being put in a leadership role without wanting to. Um, And so, yeah. I want her to continue being at the table in conversations and because we have to share that role and we have to pass the baton. And, and I just think, wow, I've got to continue to foster that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. And I, but I hope you have some quiet time occasionally where you can sit down and reflect on some of the things that have uh, transpired and you've been a part of in your life that have had such a broad impact uh, on our community. Uh, and you really have uh, made uh, not just my life, but our community's life a uh, fantastic place. And and you've opened yeah. a lot of people's eyes. You've got a lot of work to do because uh, <laughs> there's still a lot of people that aren't, aren't open-minded towards it yet. 
but no uh, it's really it's really interesting how everything's converged and i and i so appreciate you know having that because when i think of you it's uh i think of having just a, an ally a you know and a genuine person that i don't have to um put a facade and not yeah. that i'm not not true in front of other people but you all, always have to kind of uh try to figure out, you know, how that person yeah. feels about certain things. And I, and yeah. I don't have to figure you out. Uh, <laughs> I know where you stand. Uh, yeah. I know how genuine you are in, in your mission, you know, to provide affordable housing. And, you know, you're working in this realm now. You've worked in ministry before. Uh, we've had connections throughout the years in that capacity. And you've always been, you know, the same. I mean, you've always stayed true uh, to yourself. And so it's empowering, you know, to be able to have allies like that. And we need to be able to have allies as women uh, for men to be able to reach out and say it's important to to have your voice at the table as well as not just because you're a woman, not just because you're because of a position, because our contributions are are important. And so, you know, that's, that's how it's empowering. Uh, from the very beginning, I knew when, when Rod's going to be there and I feel, I feel so much more at ease if that makes any sense. Does that makes sense. <laughs> no, I, no, it does. I, I, you know, there <laughs> are certainly time, especially when, you know, you may be up against some of those challenges or hearing some of those things that make you cringe and you know, you have an ally in the room. It does make, uh, it does make a huge uh, difference. And, and I, I appreciate that. I, I, I won't keep you all day. Cause I know somebody's waiting to call you because you're the city's <laughs> international communities liaison. You're the only person that can fix it. Uh, but no, but I, I do just want to say, uh, thanks. And while we don't get a chance to say it often enough, I really do appreciate your partnership in the community. Uh, and when, I talk to other Habitat affiliates, especially, but just to, uh, people outside our community that I work with. Uh, I always talk about what a strong relationship we have with our city and uh, and, and especially with your department. And uh, people are always like, really? I'm like, yeah, you need to work on this. You need a laid backer. Uh, and so uh, I really <laughs> do appreciate uh, having you on my side and uh, look forward to work with you. Oh, thank you. I had a great time catching up with Leda, and I'm so appreciative of the partnership we have in our community. It is inspiring to see the way that she has taken the challenges that she's faced and turned them into opportunities for our entire community. Leda and I spent several more minutes talking about how our families have impacted our journey and how our journey has impacted our families. I also gave Leda the chance to ask me any one question she wanted to. You can find the answer to that question and the rest of the bonus material on our website at ivejourneyed.com. Join us next week on With Those I've Journeyed with special guest host Brittany Ryan.